The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Good afternoon and welcome to the Massage Podcast. I'm Elaine Kalenda. Today is April 28th, 2011. And we are here live in Boulder, Colorado. We are also streaming on the World Wide Web at MassagePodcast.com. You can also catch us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Come chat with us during our live recordings or give us a call or text message to 303 656 9860. And today we're here with our producer Jorge Cisneros. As usual, Dawn is on vacation, and our special guest is Nate Butrin. He's come today to talk with us about a number of issues uh, and his uh, experience, and we're just going to have a great conversation today. Uh, so tune in, relax, and I just realized that um, we can you can pick us up on iTunes. So that's a good way to. Um, get all of our podcasts. If you miss any of them, you can go back to our website and listen to any of the many wonderful conversations we've had with uh, the people in our profession who can bring you nothing but good advice, good news, and and lots of information that will help you in your practice, uh, including wonderful tips and uh, suggestions. Okay, so let's get started. I think we started with everything except, wow, it's springtime. And it's starting to be spring here in the Rockies. I know some friends are still snowed in in the mountains up there. And people who love skiing, boy, they're having a great time. Uh, but down here it's uh, in Boulder, it's just beautiful and um, just makes me puts me in a better mood when that weather starts getting warmer. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Nate Butrin is here. He teaches with me over at the Boulder College of Massage Therapy. How long have we known each other, Nate? Oh, we've known each other since 1998. 1998. Yes. Okay, and what happened then? I mean, you know, just give us, you know, people always ask, they got to ask, why did you get into massage therapy? What was the evolution of that? Uh, a little bit of your background, where you're from. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Things like that. Um, well, going back to New York, you know, our sister city. Um, That's right. We, um, I went to college on a track scholarship um, as a cross-country runner and studying athletic training, so I had a uh, interest in the human body for sure. Um, multiple stress fractures to both tibias, um, 20 Advil a day, and no real manual therapies um, made me shift my focus a little bit and traveled across the country, found Boulder and discovered the best school in the country and started attending there in 1998, found my passion, started teaching at BCMT in fall of 99. 1998, I was your teacher for some of your classes. How old were you then? I was 22. So I can be your mother. You can technically oh, be so my he, mother. He absolutely. runs around the school nowadays going, hey, mom. It's so cute, though. I don't mind. Oh, okay, I really good. Mind. <laughs> and, um, and people, it fools people. They really say, hey, is he really your son? I think it's kind of funny. Because we look so similar. We do. Absolutely. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's the curly hair. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I remember those days when you had hair down in the middle of your back, tied in a ponytail. Yes, I certainly did. Yeah. 
Um, so um, what did you do right after school? Um, after school, I was still working for Wild Oats, um, started up a private practice um, immediately following graduation, and I was working at a clinic, the Wild Oats Wellness Center, um, working on about 14 to 16 people in the community weekly, um, being able to practice everything that I had learned and integrate um, the work and really get some good hands-on work right out of school, which was imperative mm-hmm. um, to where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. So you were working there with other practitioners? Yep. There was a chiropractor, acupuncturist, and about 10 massage therapists, most of which were BCMT grads. Yeah. Busy, bolder place. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I do encourage people if they can. I mean, private practice is hard to start, especially when nobody in, really knows you Absolutely. in your neighborhood. But a great way to get started in um, practice, even things like getting into uh, some type of franchise, uh, massage elements uh, places, massage envy. You know, you might put those places down, but uh, that's a great way to jump in and get your hands on a lot of people because really that's that's what you need to do after school to really get the training and make it uh, work for you and develop your reputation. And a lot of times these places will allow you to take clients with you if you leave or or if you have a private practice to also invite them over there. Absolutely. Uh, and working with other professionals, how did that help you? Like working with chiropractors and acupuncturists and things like that. Yeah, it was, it was actually excellent. And I let me go back to what you just mentioned. Um, it was very imperative for me. And granted, working for a franchise doesn't always net you the um, monetary compensation that you would like. But seeing that many clients a week for an entire year and giving four or 500 massages in a year straight out of school was, I mean, that shaped who I am today. So, you know, it's, it's definitely worth the experience. And um, worth the, if you're not getting as much compensation, you're also maybe not having to deal with the overhead. Absolutely. It's also tough to do the, your first year out. And it was great just to show up and have clients and practice what I like to do because I was also um, starting, I was a teacher's assistant at Boulder College of Massage Therapy right after graduation oh, that's right. as well. So Right after school, uh, you were assisting in class, which is also helpful for reinforcing your um, education. Absolutely. You know, and it wasn't really until I started working with clients and teaching um, that I learned the muscles. This is really uh, important that we, um, we, we talk about those muscles all the time and do muscle testing. And that's really how the people will say, how do you remember all these muscles? Well, it's by educating other people, teaching your clients about their muscles, yeah. and also uh, testing for muscle strength. That really helps you learn not Absolutely. just the origin, insertion, and action, but... The qual- each muscle has a personality. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And, you know, working in that clinic, working um, with John Dulyard, actually, who's a chiropractor in town. Really? Yep. So he, he was there? He was a chiropractor there. And um, so that was great to have him on staff. Yeah, he's And great. a couple of amazing um, acupuncturists, Susanna Carrollton, um, who's still a good friend of mine to this day, um, receiving work from them, trading with them, but also... Uh, looking at soap charts and conversing with other therapists and seeing what their treatment approach was because I was three months out of school and there were some uh, practitioners that, that had been in the field for about five years. So I got to learn beside them and working on similar clients, similar to the clinic at BCMT, mm-hmm. uh, looking at soap charts and seeing different treatment options and plans mm-hmm. and really to define your my style and um, see how the acupuncture and Cairo 
um, also benefited them in conjunction as a whole wellness center itself. And there was a nutritionist on site as well. Oh, see? So it was excellent. It was were, full body. People are excellent. getting every, you know, the holistic approach. Yep. And working with uh, an osteopath like I did, and a neurologist, uh, you learn how they come up with their diagnosis. To have the diagnosis right there, since we can't do diagnosis, uh, is just wonderful. Because they, they will talk you through how they came up with uh, the diagnosis for different things. And then the person is with you in your room. Suddenly you see how they assessed them, how they diagnosed them, and then you know how the treatment works right there. And when you're on your own private practice, like there's not, I'm not putting it down. I'm not just saying those first couple of years out, it was nice to have to be working with the team and the team approach. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Nate. Then um, let's see. When did we start developing our sports massage program? We're going to talk a little bit about sports massage right Absolutely. now. We had a couple of questions from folks too. So, sports massage is defined by you know working with athletes or performing artists. I we do include that in our program so that you can comfortably uh, assess and work with uh, any number of athletes, including uh, dancers, uh, you know, uh, I I consider even some of these yoga instructors athletes because, I mean, they, uh, to me, an athlete is somebody who moves a great deal, uh, a great part of their week is involved with some type of movement, Yep. uh, whether it's uh, uh, the hard-end sports of uh, uh, football to dance and... um, and yoga and these kinds of things. So when did we put our program together? I, 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 this is 2001? I believe it was 2000 because I took the orthopedic and sports certification exam in December of 2000. And I was one of the first graduates from that program. Okay. So it was probably 2000 was the first full year okay. run through. 2000. In 1999, Clint Chandler and I were doing similar classes on our own. Yes. And that's when we decided uh, to put them together and create that. 150-hour orthopedic uh, sports and orthopedic certification program. Um, that program has been running with a lot of success. Right. Yeah. Uh, very much so. You know, for packed house. Uh, yeah, packed house. Most most uh, weekends we do about one weekend a month, and Nate Butrin, of course, is teaching in that now since since about a year after you finished the program. Would um, you say I started TAing a year after, and then uh, full teaching of the ortho sports program in about 2004 2004 so a long time now i mean we've gone through many many groups absolutely we've certified um let's see every june we do a certification every june and december so that's two groups a year and it's not an easy certification it's a very challenging um written exam uh practical exam and uh, then they have to do a case study case report so they have to follow a person through um, at least eight sessions and um, put together a research based uh, case report and they have to present that that day as well and then build muscles on the mannequin so they have to build muscles out of clay I think it's 26 to 30 something muscles they have to build and locate bony landmarks as well oh then the bony landmark uh, location so it's quite a rigorous exam comprehensive very yeah much so but that diploma when you do get it and you pass all the sections it's a beautiful diploma and your answering machine when you call is you say how how do you introduce yourself nathan Nathan butrin certified orthopedic and sports massage therapist which only to my knowledge and you can correct me if i'm wrong about 150 people maybe 
um, or fulfill less. that or less, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So around a hundred plus or minus. Right, but it's not. You know, our certification program is not a weekend. It is a long, comprehensive um, program that really prepares you for. Would you say that it prepared you to work with all types of athletes when you were done with it? Absolutely, um, and it's sports and orthopedics. So the sports component. Um, allowing me to work with a variety of clients, sports and otherwise, Mm -hmm. um, orthopedic conditions, sports injuries specifically. So um, very comprehensive, very thorough, and gave me a, a wealth of knowledge to with which to work and also bring into the classroom into my um, existing clients as well. They noticed a big difference. My existing clients had noticed a significant difference in my skill set um, after completing that program. Okay. Yeah, it's a great problem. I'm very proud of it. We've been running that for a long time. And um, and we're not going to talk about it the whole show. I'm just going to say that if you're interested, you can contact the Boulder College of Massage Therapy and then go to our or go to our website. You'll find a lot, all the information you want about the uh, orthopedic and um, sports and orthopedic program. Now, the sports part is, yes, of course, working with athletes. The orthopedic, what is orthopedic massage? People always ask that as well. Orthopedic really relates or pertains to the lower extremity, but we've increased that to pertain to movement, helping people to rehabilitate from anything from frozen shoulder to a sprained ankle. And so orthopedic means to us, our our meaning for it is to help people regain movement in their joints, particularly the the locomotion, but locomotion and movement of the upper extremity and neck too. You know, we don't just limit it. So we covered head and neck, TMJ, uh, the shoulder, all the major uh, types of injuries that affect the major joints of the body. Very and spinal deformities. And spinal deformities, yes. We do the posture. Yeah. We wanted to talk a little bit about posture. Now, all of our students, when they come into the school, when they get into your the class that you teach now, which is normalization of soft tissue yes. for the most part, Yes. They. what's one of the first things they do in the first couple of weeks of school? Um, the not-so-popular postural <laughs> photo that they get to take. We um, have them stand up in minimal clothing, similar to what um, rolfing may do. Um, and we take a postural photo in front of a grid, to met a two-inch by two-inch square grid um, to measure different dysfunctions in the body. And we take a picture of them week one and then week 10 after learning myofascial release and trigger point therapy, muscle energy techniques, amongst other techniques, and to see what awareness and... Um, self-care and, yeah so what a, oh. just awareness mm-hmm. and the self-care and also just the receiving of body work three days a week how much they can change in a matter of nine short weeks and, we should, and some findings are profound yeah they're standing also in front of that plumb line yes absolutely and, and the before and after shots i mean i've seen them as as the and of course i taught that class too a few times mm-hmm. and to see the difference it can be uh, some profound differences on these students that's one of the more, um, I would say, one of our classes that's one of the most transforming physically. I would say so, yes. And maybe later on emotionally and mentally too, but physically they can see almost immediate results after each class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every once in a while those photos are hanging out of the copy machine. Oh. <laughs> I would just run in there and get them and turn them over and hide them, uh, you know, because uh, it's a very personal thing to have somebody uh, evaluate your posture Mm -hmm. but how important is it for a massage therapist to really know how to do a good postural evaluation 
Oh, it's, it's, it's extremely necessary and also to understand it in your own body before you start to implement that on clients. There you so go. you have to understand your own body first, body awareness, and through learning your own body, and I can speak for myself with a plethora of injuries in my own body and a, a, a boatload of postural dysfunction in my own body has only helped me with my clientele. Right. So if, you know... The more the more jacked up you are, the better off, better therapist you're probably going to be. That's true. I've suffered a lot of different physical things in my life, and I tell you, each and every one of them has been a learning experience, and it's also given me not just the the, the confidence to help other clients through it, but also the personal knowledge of just how uh, scary some of our you know sometimes getting worked on can be. Yes, it can be. It can put you through some emotions. We had a it's not unusual for students to go through emotional changes in class, is it? No, not at all. In fact, I had um, a, a very good example of that yesterday in class. I had a um, after class spoke with a particular student about something that came up. You know, when we're starting to work the anterior neck and open the chest region and the abdominal region with oh, trigger yeah. points and myofast release. You know, I don't know if every student fully realizes what they're getting into when they go to BCMT or any massage school for that matter, or clients even when, you know, they have a whiplash injury, they think their neck is just tight, but you don't know what their previous 20, 30, 40 years of life entailed. And, but that's the beauty of massage and, and proper training through massages to be able to deal with those things on all levels as they come up. Right. And not run away from uh, the emotions that would come up, but actually encourage people at times to to let it out because sometimes I can see people start to emote and then they stop themselves because they think it's not right or someone's going to judge them. And we do a lot of um, work on our students to get them to uh, throw themselves into that with a classmate. We had a, a gal today in my class who she had to go out in the hall, you know, and yeah. it was so wonderful to see how her partner got up with her, went in the hall, sat with her on the floor. We brought her into a classroom put a box of tissues in front of her and said, please just let it go. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's not always uh, fun and games, but it is such a crucial part of being a caretaker, uh, especially massage because it's a softer art, to, to stop being ashamed or afraid to uh, both let your emotions out and also to be there for other people's emotions. Yes. And this was something I was extremely uncomfortable with uh, as a newcomer, you know, and I worked in New York. Yeah. I didn't see too many people cry in New York, <laughs> but because uh, they tough it out, you know, no matter what. Yeah, it's a culture, you know, and that's just our society in general. Right. Actually. They know they got to get out in a few minutes to get on a subway and they don't want people to think, you know, whatever. But there were a few incidences where, uh, and especially remember a grown man crying is one of the nicest things to help people out with and and it wasn't until he had this big outburst and 20 minutes of crying that his um, myoclonic neck spasms yep. really stopped Absolutely. after a year of bizarre contraction. So, uh, yeah, just throw the tissues at him, be there for him, uh, touch him, don't touch him, make sure they're okay with you, uh, touch him. And you know what's really important? Not saying, oh, maybe sometimes not saying this will make you stronger that you know not giving them too much advice uh, absolutely just kind of be quiet and saying it yeah this is horrible what you're going through yeah i understand that you're angry yeah and not be to present say, and support. You know, just let them do what they have to do absolutely oh boy the things that you learned <laughs> though over over the years it was very uncomfortable for me but it was something that i, I definitely learned a lot more of it when i moved out to boulder for sure 
And I thought it was silly, these people talking about their feelings so much. But now I understand it and, of course, come to terms with it myself. This was just my own embarrassment and discomfort with emotions that had held me back. But uh, nowadays, you know, I'm not surprised nor unprepared for anything. And it's a good feeling, too, because you just never know uh, what's going to come up. And you're better, you know, makes us better people and better practitioners and makes you a better mom to me. Aw, son, (laughs) you're so sweet. All right, just a reminder that we are uh, at the Massage Podcast today, www.massagepodcast.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail at 303-656-9860. Or you can chat with us live during our recordings at uh, Facebook, uh, iTunes, and Twitter. We're here today with Nate Butrin from Boulder College of Massage Therapy. I'm Elaine Kalenda. Let's continue now and talk about, um, the, we talked about sports massage. We had a couple of uh, questions from people, Jorge. Yes, one, one of the main questions, Nate, was uh, what uh, should a new person coming into this field, what type of advice would you give them in terms of building a practice? How would you market yourself? What type of approach? I mean, you have a lot of years of experience working yes. with professional athletes. What type of advice would you give them in order to follow that path? I, I, that's a great question, and I, I think that I answer it the same way every quarter, every time a group of students ask me that same question. Um, there's always this, most massage schools have clinics and community service and internship events in which they give, you know, quote-unquote free massage. They donate their time, and they think that when that's over, they're done giving free massage. And that can be no further from the truth, quite honestly. Um, sometimes you have to go out there and throw your hat in the ring and give a couple of free sessions to people that you know, um, friends of friends, people who are um, well-known in the community, and that can come to you personally and or refer uh, patients to you. So I would say upon graduation, um, if you have a niche, if you have an idea of what you want to do, go for it. Like Throw your throw your heart at it and go for it with all you, with all you can, really, because... Um, I think a lot of people are very tentative and that's very natural. There's a lot of fear around that, um, with graduation. But, um, if you can, if you can find a couple of people and give them a a free massage each and they like your work and you do the best work possible, um, we all know massage, it's the biggest selling point is word of mouth. And if you can just get your hands on those couple of people that like to talk, uh, (laughs) your practice will be busy and busy for years to come. And I can tell you that that's been the biggest seller uh, in my private practice over the last 12 and a half years has been word of mouth. But it all started with those first couple of clients that, you know, I I really went out and targeted and um, gave a couple massages to. And I know that um, I can bring up a an example of Marcus um, Allen Hill, you know, Marcus six foot seven, just graduated. Yeah, um, Marcus, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a runner himself. And while he was going through massage school, he was doing community service on um, a bunch of elite athletes um, that ran, I believe for the air force Academy or army or something. And now he works on them and probably 10 of their friends. Mm-hmm. So, and he's been out for a matter of six months. Mm-hmm. So he's building his practice just by giving a couple of free sessions. And I'm going to guess that especially during the summer is a perfect time where we have several events of all kinds, athletic sports events, um, triathlons, uh, bicycle events, where they are always looking for massage therapists to come and volunteer. Oh, yes. Sometimes they might pay you, sometimes they don't pay you anything, but it's that opportunity to put yourself out there and work with all all these people and be able to, to give your 
business card. Oh, that that's great because the the sheer number of people that mm-hmm. run, I mean, we're talking Boulder, Colorado too, you know, right. so we're talking cyclists, runners, triathletes, and those are just the three big ones. We're, I mean, there's so many other athletics going here, rock climbing gyms, I mean, mm-hmm. you name it, yoga classes, as Elaine had mentioned. Um, so yeah, sometimes, once again, it, it only costs you four hours of your time, but if you hand out a hundred business cards, right. I mean, uh, that, even if three people come to you, those three can turn into... 30 in right. a matter of a couple of years. And now you're, now you're talking, you know, financial gain and success in the, in the field of massage, which is mm-hmm. ult- the ultimate goal. And also for sports massage, getting involved with your local AMTA, they all have sports massage teams. They all work events. And that's another opportunity for you to hand out your business card and to get your, get your name and reputation out there, get yourself known. And one other thing I, I always, um, I always advise people as well is students come to, uh, come up to me frequently and say, Oh, I want to work on cyclists. Oh, I want to work on runners. And my first question is, well, are you a cyclist or are you a runner? Um, so you really kind of have to, I, I think, in, especially in a community such as Boulder, if you understand the sport, it's no surprise that I work on more elite runners than I work on any other type of athlete, because that was my passion for so many years in college. So to also understand the sport and to live it and breathe it, um, can only add to that. And, all of my clients know that. And I think that's what they respect about me is I'm not just another massage therapist. I've run, I've been injured. I've had all of the injuries that they're dealing with. So I can sympathize and also apply the proper treatment um, because I can relate to what they're going through. And I know the psychological detriment as well to being on the shelf and not being able to compete in your sport. So, you know, there's a lot of layers to that as well. As Elaine was talking about the emotional component with our students, athletes are prone to that as well. So not just physical injury, but the psychological toll of those injuries. So our job in their life is to get them back on track and back to whatever sport they want to do. Now, as far as, let's say, a few years down the road, you have a steady practice working with athletes. What would be the major cause for, you know, avoid burnout for the therapist? Yeah, absolutely. Elaine and I were talking about this in the hall yesterday at the school, actually. Um, you know, sometimes varying your, pra- I mean, varying your practice is, is the way that I've avoided burnout in 12 and a half years. I've, I've been, you know, I've caught myself feeling a little burnout. I remember coming to Elaine a couple, probably twice in my career saying, you know, I don't know if this is for me. Something's not right. And Elaine's like, well, either take a new class or mix something up. And sure enough, it was, I was working on too many of too many cervical whiplash clients, too many runners and just working hamstrings and IT bands. So um, variance is, is the key. So whether it be athletes or whether it be just normal orthopedic um, clientele, like with spinal conditions, there's a lot of people with kyphosis and scoliosis um, and postural problems, a lot of people with tension headaches. I know Elaine talked about TMJ, mm-hmm. the last podcast. Um, so varying your, you know, having one one day of five sessions and you have TMJ one day, or one client whiplash, two runners, and then a wellness client that's getting a Swedish massage, you, you walk out of there and you've covered the full gamut of massage therapy in, in, in one shift, <laughs> you know, which is great. And that's what keeps, that's what keeps me going keeps is, is fresh, variety. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, would you say that a lot of athletes are looking, uh, many of them are looking for deep tissue massage modalities? I, I've, I've seen, um, I've seen a wide variety actually. Um, I, th- I think the, the normal athlete, yes, I think the majority of them prefer deeper pressure, but I also have some that are training so hard that I'm doing nothing more than deep Swedish massage with a lot of linear friction and lots of cross fiber friction. So it's very less technical than some people might think, mm. actually. Um, you know, 
if you take the average cyclist, for example, that is on a bike four or five hours a day, you know, six days a week, the quadriceps are so hypertonic and so dense that you are definitely putting your back into it and giving, giving some good hard pressure um, to get a response from them. Um, and then you work on the runner who just did a track workout and like maybe two hours ago. And it's almost, it almost becomes a post-event type massage because they're in the middle of training. They just worked really hard two hours ago. Now they're laying on your table. You can't expect to you know, be putting elbows and calves at that exact moment. Right. So mm-hmm. then it becomes that Swedish massage mode. And so I've seen, like I said, I, I've had some athletes. I actually, I can tell you, it's, it's funny. It's, it's pretty much across the board. I think the um, type of athlete that requires the deepest amount of pressure, Elaine, maybe you can um, agree with me, are either A, female dancers, or B, female distance runners. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you that they require, like I worked on Cirque du Soleil. I've worked on Cirque du Soleil twice. And those... <laughs> Those women take more pressure than I you can possibly imagine. Right. More than any professional mm-hmm. cyclist, runner, anybody I've ever worked certain, on. Certain certain athletes. Like remember the time we worked with uh, what was it, Kidam? Kidam, yep, down the, in Denver. And some require deep pressure, and the other one, those uh, Cantonese tumblers, those little gals. You had to spend the first fifteen minutes just doing lymph drainage because they were so bruised from tumbling and falling. Uh, rolling on their spines that we spent, I spent at least 10 minutes doing lymph drainage before I could even start doing pressure. But then I remember one gal from Brazil who was one of those that climbed the, you know, the aerial dancers. Yeah. She took a lot of pressure. She mm-hmm. was just a little thing, but she, she could, oh, the, you know, I was in there pretty good. But um, they're also so aware of their bodies, many athletes, not all, uh, but many. And I found that, you know, the, uh, some football players and people who get banged around a lot, they appreciate a nice soothing massage because they're banged around. That's what they, you're getting slapped on the side and they and they come in sometimes very inflamed. So even a light pressure hurts mm-hmm. them. You can be surprised by some people and then the next client's like 86 years old going, have you started yet? Exactly. You put a little yes. more pressure into that. <laughs> you that's, know? Very, that's very true. That's so very because true. Yeah, and I have found out in my experience working with young athletes, I'm going to think high school type of student, mm-hmm. who I, in my mind, I, th- I think they have that wrong impression of no pain, no gain exactly. type of mentality. Mm-hmm. And I believe, uh, I don't know what we can do because uh, many times during the middle of the session, I say, I cannot go any deeper. You know, your muscles are going into spasm and you're asking <laughs> yeah, me to continue. Absolutely. This is, mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I don't know what we can do to educate all these young uh, athletes who have that mentality. Well, I, I can tell you that it's, I think it's the therapist's job to educate and lead by example. Um, I can tell you that mm-hmm. uh, some of the, my, my most, some of my most successful athletes, um, Jorge Torres, um, ran for University of Colorado. He's an Olympic 10K runner. Yeah. I've worked on him for eight plus years um, since he was a senior at University of Colorado. And the whole reason I started seeing um, Jorge Torres is he was receiving treatment for an Achilles tendon injury. And between our students and the training, uh, the athletic trainers at University of Colorado, he was getting treatment six straight days on his Achilles. So ultrasound, stem, heat, ice, massage, friction. And he came to see me because I was a supervisor and said, hey, can you take a, take a look at this? And next day he came in, I said, I'm not touching your Achilles because it's too inflamed. It needs a day off. It needs some rest. And I worked on his tib anteriors and Tom, Dick and Harry on the medial side of the tibia and the hamstring fascia and called me the next day and said, that's the best my Achilles has felt. I gave it one day off and worked the compensatory muscles and he's been a client since and and almost every elite athlete I've ever laid my hands on are because of that one referral. 
from working mm-hmm. on him. And he is a been a, I see him about forty times a year for the last eight years. And mm-hmm. and he and his brother both have a, um, a scoliosis as well. So I said, you know, we'll get you through the season. But if we if we start in your summer training again, we need to start from a neuromuscular perspective and we need to align your pelvis because when you're running on a track going one way multiple times, mm-hmm. when you're running on the road with the camber of the road, one leg becomes functionally short or long and then you get glute medius weakness, you get a QL that's tight on one side. And so if, if you're running with an unbalanced pelvis and weak core and that, in that matter, you know, you can, you can go as hard as you want on the hamstrings and calves, but as soon as they take another step with an imbalanced pelvis, you know, it's just going to, that whole chain is going to keep falling apart and nobody's getting any younger either. So, I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah, you, the yeah, more you balanced. Treat that Achilles till the cows come home. But if you don't take care of the imbalances, you'll always have it. It's where it's going to end. Where is Where's the last point of exit? Achilles tendon Absolutely. The foot and the plantar fasciitis. I'm so sick of that term because everybody's working <laughs> on the foot, working on the, working on this inflamed fascia mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, this is going to make it better. And ignoring the calf and the deep muscles, the Tom, mm-hmm. Dick, and Harry, as we call it, the tibialis posterior, yep. flexors, the deep flexors, flexor hallucis longus, and flexor digitorum. They're like completely ignored in most massage. Yep. And they expect these folks to get better. Uh, so, Nate, you know, this brings up the, are, you, are we finished with our question? I just want to put Nate on the spot. Yeah, so, sure. Say, asking, okay. is there any type of athlete that you might avoid saying, uh, I don't know, I'm going to think of, bodybuilders or any specific and there's a reason that you must ah, I want to skip this type of athlete <laughs> um, actually not at all I've, I had the opportunity to work on a professional bodybuilder and fitness I, I think it's just more, more like fitness weightlifting and doing the shows um, you know their bodies are so dehydrated right before an event but all they really needed was linear stripping to make sure each muscle looks good looks good right <laughs> yeah, exactly. so it was actually a pretty cool example it's, for me so really when someone good. calls me there's not as, as long as they're into um listening to what i have to say because yes the go big or go home type athlete um those aren't my favorite ones to work on anymore because when a muscle spasming and they're saying deeper, 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 I'm listening to the body. I've you know gotten wise in my old age apparently. Um, but now when I'm working on people, I'm, I'm like what I had just mentioned. I'm looking at um, pelvic dysfunction first, trying to align that, and then I either go up or down in the body um, to treat their injury. As long as things are aligned in the middle, which only takes ten minutes, good pelvic balancing should take ten minutes, um, and then go from there. Um, I I like working on pretty much any type of athlete because there's good rapport and. You know, there's also something Elaine said that a lot of athletes are in tune with their body. But then the flip side of that are those athletes that have always been injured and learn to dissociate from their body. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's very powerful to work with an athlete that is used to zoning out and just tuning out of their body, just taking Advil, cortisone shots, whatever it might be. Um, So we offer a really, a really good, um, a really good medium for them. To, to get a little bit better or a lot better in a lot of cases. Um, so as far, as far as working with certain athletes, no, I think I like working with them all. Oh. I definitely, uh, I, I can talk more shop with, with the runners than anything, but I can tell you working with all the different athletes over the years, the ones that a sport that I've never really partook in uh, myself, um, I, I learned from them. So mm-hmm. I, I like asking a lot of questions. I have a, a pro cyclist now that, you know, rode in the Tour de France last year with Alberto Contador's team and just talking about, you know, crashes. I mean, he just had a crash mm-hmm. and this guy had a crash and it's just, yeah. you know, just learning about all these sports and then you watch them on TV and it, it gives you a whole new passion for, for athletics. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's Not really educational. That. And when you do watch athletics after that, boy, you can that your kinesiology exactly totally makes sense suddenly, right? You're like, wow, now I see how this relates to that, and the and the open chains and closed chains, and yeah. And by the way, if you're interested in more of that, now we have a class this weekend. I think it's full with 20 students, but. Yep. You know, you can be put on a waiting list if you're interested. We have, we are doing the lumbar lower extremity, one of my favorites. And I'll be doing the pelvic balancing and you'll on be Saturday doing, afternoon. That's what reminded me yeah. because you'll be doing the pelvic balancing class, part of that class. So if anyone's listening out there who wants to jump in, give Judy a call at the school and she'll put you on a waiting list. You never know who might jump in and out of that class at the last moment. The number there is 303-530-2100. Or uh, just find out by calling Boulder College of Massage Therapy or go on the website at www.bcmt.org. All right. And continuing now, that also reminded me of the time where you have had doubts in your career about coming in and out of the uh, getting in and out of massage therapy as a career. But I've also seen you struggle with your own ability to run at times. Absolutely. Yep. A history of that. And you've had, you know, some really good, you were always feeling in a good mood when you were running around and doing your thing. <laughs> and then you had your own uh, problems with your calves, a long history with that. Yes. And would you say that, um, I, I hope I was up, able to help you with, I think it was one of your calves once that mm-hmm. I was able to help you out with. And it, you were able to run again, like a long time. You, this guy runs a, you know, he was running like doing seventy mile. Well, weeks. back in college, but you know, but recently no, forty recently miles. forty miles yeah. a just week. 40. Oh, just forty. <laughs> okay, okay, forty. Big whoop, you know. I mean, but um, would you say that? Because this is what I've experienced when somebody helps you with an injury that you think might not ever get better mm-hmm. or a condition. Um, you know, cervical ribs, uh, you know, we've got battle. We've a lot, many of us battle with carpal tunnel thought, okay, I got to get out of the profession. Someone comes along, helps you, makes you feel better. Would you say that those you take to your clientele and it kind of gives you the courage to work with that athlete or client through their injuries? Because what you said before, until you experience it yourself. Now, yeah. we're not suggesting people go out and get injury. <laughs> Go I'm just play hard. saying that you, this is how we um, learn to help others. Yes, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, and, and that, that was a good lesson for me as well. Um, having that calf work, it got me in the clear. And, you know, what I just alluded to, you know, I I've, I battle calf injuries, whether it be college, all the stress fractures. And then um, recently mm-hmm. when you worked on my uh, tip post and gastroxoleus, um, you know, it all... It all symptomatically shows up in that in that line in my calf and my lower hamstring and then if I keep tracing that up you know it really is a weak transversus abdominis an anterior pelvic tilt you know so mm-hmm. it, for me it's about my weak core and then the kinetic chain falls apart and I land harder on that left side so for me it's about pelvic balancing and you know some I need to keep my legs smoothed out and fresh and loose but I also need to take care of the core stuff um, and for most people that's out of sight out of mind right and, and if it's not you know most people don't Nobody injures their transversus abdominis, you know, but that's a lot of times the reason why why it gets stuck, but no one ever realizes it. It gets stuck to the, to the deep abdominal fascia, which, which communicates with the iliacus. And that's the one, because they're not directly hooked, linked together, because we don't see that in the cadaver. We don't think they're linked together, but they most certainly are. So I'm going to take a look under your hood. 
Yeah. You know, we'll absolutely. take a look under, um, do that prone psoas work on you. And mm -hmm. I, let's go after that. Yes. Because we tried once before, but it was not budging. But maybe now your body will have evolved enough or whatever. Hopefully. Yes. To get, let's take a look under, what do you call it? Taking a look under the hood. Yep. And, and you know, I was just talking to a client about that yesterday. Um, chronic, you know, if we're talking athlete here, uh, chronic ischial tuberosity, um, tendonitis slash bursitis and wondering out why do I have a sports hernia? Is it the hamstring pulling? Is it the adductor magnus pulling? And you know, it's, it's so easy to get focused on that ischial tuberosity because that's where the pain is. Um, like you were saying about plantar fasciitis, it's not just a dime size um, mm -hmm. cause on the, on the medial heel. Um, so surprise, surprise, we go and work the pubic crest, right? Where the abdominals attach the top of the pelvis versus the bottom of the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they stood up, their pelvis rolled backwards, you know, Golgi tendons are reset and their hamstring starts to feel a little bit, little bit better instead of just hammering home on the hamstrings the whole time. So, you know, a, a good sports massage therapist, because I know that's, you know, primarily why you asked me to come here. I really think you got to you've got to really address the whole body and, and think um, about mechanically what's happening in their sport and what can be causing it, because it's just it's way too common. I mean, athletics are very complex. You know, most people think of running as just legs going back and forth, but you have arm swings. So if, you know, you're, you're, if you have a bad shoulder, you're not swinging your arm, your obliques don't contract, your pelvis doesn't rotate. Now you have a bad hamstring. Cycling, mm -hmm. same thing. If you have a short leg and your cleats not fit. I mean, I've seen it all. Oh, yeah. And so you've got to think whole body um, to, to really address major sports injuries. And even though it, they come in and it's, it's less than a tennis ball size injury, it's almost always something mechanical coming from someplace else as well. Mm -hmm. So that would be the biggest advice I would give to somebody is, is think big, you know, think globally, act locally. Mm -hmm. right? And don't forget the bursae, you know, that one, that ischial tuberosity yeah, thing. Absolutely. A lot of times it's the bursae has slipped over, usually laterally, and they need to kind of sit on it and push it back over. After you get the, the main relief, that's very clever to go to that pubic symphysis, very, very um, common. And, and because people don't address it or know how to work on it, they ignore it, and it's part of the pelvis, my dears, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also bursae can be pushed out of place when you have a long-term pain in a big bony landmark like that. Yeah. So that's a pretty simple fix as well. And also, the only other thing I'd like to add to that is you just said that, yeah, the pubic crest doesn't get worked, but that's the therapist's fault, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Too many therapists, I have athletes come in time and time again that are like, this is not getting better. No one's ever helped this. And I put them in a little frog stretch and I do some, you know, pubic ramus work where the adductors attach all the way up on the bone, not to where the drape is, but through the sheet, up on the attachment sites, on the pubic crest. And you have athletes that have been dealing with this injury for two years and been seeing PTs and massage therapists and chiros that yep. are like, no one's ever touched that. You hear and it all the time. It's, it's just amazing because we teach that. This, that's the confusing thing is most massage schools do teach that approach. But for some reason, it's it's the therapist's own restriction that doesn't allow them to do that work and people don't get better. So, right. you know, don't be afraid. When you you're gotta people. practice on your friends, practice on yourself till so, you get familiar with the area. So, so one question for you as a male therapist, how do you approach that when you're working on a female athlete? Absolutely. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Well, number one, you got to exude confidence. I, I think that that's number one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, 
be a strong professional, have good communication skills, um, exude that confidence. And quite honestly, with a first-time client, if that's where I'm going to go that first session, that's why we have wall charts. Elaine's beautiful muscles and motions and osteography um, that are on my walls. You know, I show them right on the chart. I'm like, we're going to go right here right where your adductor's attached so they know. When you show it on a chart and you show it on a, a one-dimensional wall picture, it makes it look less invasive for some reason. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the client's all of a sudden on the table, you're like, I'm going to go yeah. in your pubic ramus. They're whoa, what's going on? And you, you know? tell them why. Yeah, but you show it on a chart first. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that's education. You know, once again, I teach. I love teaching and the teaching does not stop when I leave BCMT. Every one of my clients, well, I hope every one of my clients mm-hmm. appreciates that aspect of me. Some of them don't like hearing it because they just want to lay down and be passive, but I don't let my clients get off so easy. I, I definitely mm-hmm. put the onus back on them and, you know, so that they're more educated when they walk out because ultimately it's their body, it's their vehicle. I'm just a support network really. Mm-hmm. So. so obviously clear communication is would be the key. I, w- I would say that's the biggest one, a clear communication. And once again, that's why we have charts and, and, everything in our office good uh, draping. so that they understand. Good it, draping. In fact, sometimes I let people stay dressed for that part, mm-hmm. right? We let yeah. them stay dressed, then we leave the room, say, okay, now we'll get into massage. But we had to get through these tricky areas first. Yep. Or with all those um, pelvic techniques that work in the inferior ramus for Pete's sake, we always do it through the sheet. Yep. Uh, or with the person still dressed. Or I'll say next week when you come in, wear um, your um, workout clothes, wear loose clothes because we're going to do some... That's that. Some people are very comfortable with that. And, and I've had some clients that were a little hesitant to have certain areas worked. And, you know, I, I let that go for a couple of visits. But after three or four visits, we weren't getting the results that we wanted. Mm-hmm. So I had to bring it up again and, and challenge them, you know, because if clients truly want to get better, and there's going to be some clients that, you know, see you four times, you didn't fix them. So they keep jumping around and you hear about them four years later, still jumping around, you know, to different therapists to find that, that miracle cure. And it's not about that. It's about, you know, kind of owning up to it and and challenging yourself as a client as well, not only as a therapist. So, you know, I I definitely throw it back on clients and say, you know, that so as work that you've been hesitant doing, I know it's not the most pleasant thing, but I have five different approaches to it. So let's try one of them that's the most comfortable for you because I really think that's what's going to help your low back pain or your hip flexor pain. And and quite honestly, if somebody's injured, whether it be an athlete or not, and it's prohibiting them from doing what they love to do, whether it just be hiking or competing uh, in all facets of life, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to do what's uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Or I teach them how to do, right? We teach people how to do their own massage if they don't want our hands on them. We teach them how to do it themselves. Now, the fortunate thing about most athletes, especially European athletes, they're not very shy. Nope. And, not at all. and they will let you do whatever you want to them if they think it's going to help them feel better. And that's one of the ways that I learned how not to be so shy, um, pelvic bone shy, uh, <laughs> was to have work with dancers who, you know, Joffrey dancers in New York, they were the ones who took my hand and put it where they thought it would exactly. help. Yep. And that's what got me over those initial fears of working. Uh, on those areas so close to the pubic bone and you know and again you get so good at it and uh that you your your technique becomes very acute very keen mm-hmm. and you do, you stop worrying about it i'm sure we have classes for covering all these uh, the proper treatment or Definitely. protocol for this yeah are there any videos that you are aware of that would describe in good detail because if not i think you we have guys, to make some you yeah, guys right. should be we should get on that. need to do something because i believe it would be very beneficial for a lot of people who yeah not everybody can come to bcmt i believe we have great programs here yeah but uh i'm sure quite a few people out there could take benefit of 
understanding and learning these protocols. That is a good point. And I guess, you know, that uh, book, that Clay and Pound illustrated book, uh, the one it's called Basic Massage, mm-hmm. but it's more than basic. Yeah. It looks basic, but uh, they've got the greatest illustrations in that book because the guy has his hands on areas and then they have the the artist draws the muscles on that. Excellent. Basic Massage Therapy, I think it's called. Clay and Pound. Clay and Pound are um, putting out some books for Lippincott, Williams, and Wilkins that have excellent illustrations with photographs of people with the illustration superimposed upon them. And I think they got the idea from my beautiful muscles and motion chart because the artist looks very similar. Yeah, absolutely. It's very lifelike. Uh, so the modern uh, textbooks today are okay. I don't know about a video, but we sure we should make one. It would be very simple do to do. Webinar. Actually. Yeah, it, it. it'd be very simple just because when students learn it three times, four times in school and then they never practice it, it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And then they, the, the ultimate tragedy in all of this is that they forget how to drape it so then they don't touch it and then the clients don't get better and then you have clients out there running around saying oh massage didn't help me mm-hmm. and so well what did you receive you know so anytime someone says that to me anytime a client says yeah i don't i'm gonna give it one more shot with you my first question is well who are you seeing and what are they doing and they're like oh they've never touched that i'm like well that's what we're touching today you know that's so once again challenge your clients and, and stay on top of the education mm-hmm. and stay practice your draping and, and do stuff that's uncomfortable to you and don't forget how important passive stretch is absolutely um, Bob McAtee's book uh, facilitated stretching mm-hmm. excellent book there um, but uh, get people moving around and do that's what I did with you know dancers you think you can stretch dancers easily oh my goodness you know <laughs> across the room with their leg and they're going I think I'm starting to feel that so but still the passive uh, movements uh, before during after the session doesn't matter uh, to to bring that joint or whatever further I also wanted to mention another excellent book. My favorite sports massage book is the Pat Archer book. Yes. Uh, it's called, oh gosh, um, Massage Therapy for Athletics or in Athletics. Pat Archer, uh, A-R-C-H-E-R. She's uh, an excellent instructor from Seattle, Washington area. And you can uh, just uh, Google Pat Archer sports massage and she's got a nice website and everything but her book has this great section in it where it says if this is the problem this is what it is and this is what you do love that book it's one of the best most intelligent sports massage books i've seen uh ever anything else jorge no i i just would like to to get some advice from you guys for the tip of the week whatever that might be from technique to marketing whatever you guys you are to successful massage therapists in town, so I'm sure people would like to listen to some of your advice today. Okay. Well, uh, Nate's Nate's tip, I think the best tip we had today was to get out there and um, put yourself out there and how he built up his practice with uh, with uh, guerrilla marketing, just you know, <laughs> getting out there and meeting people and not being shy and getting over your, oh, I don't know, uh, lack of confidence. The best way to gain confidence is just to go out and... and, and Make good eye contact with people and show them your genuineness, and then they will see and want to spend time with you, uh, and then even pay you for a massage. I was talking with my class this week. Tip of the week for my class was um, as they get ready to go out into this field where we talk about three to five year burnout periods, that one of the reasons besides not having good body mechanics and the obvious things was they didn't have a different outlet. They come home, mm. they they don't get rid of the client, you know, the yeah. the vibrations from clients and their, the complaints they heard that day or the things that they felt in their bodies. So I, I developed um, 
a great hobby of which was painting. I love oil painting. And that has helped me. I don't do as much as I would like to do it these days. But uh, there, you know, hobby. You don't always have to. People will say, "Well, you, what exercise do you do, and what sport are you into?" And what, you, not all massage therapists are athletes. Exactly. Um, we do a, plenty of aerobic exercise throughout the week during massage. But hobbies. Get a hobby. Find something to do with a friend. Uh, read good. Read. There's so many good books to read all the time. Get yourself away from. Uh, you know, give yourself an outlet. Absolutely. Would you agree? Oh, I would. I would say that's important. That's enormous. Like our friend Nate here is a fish fan. Ha! Huh. You knew I had to mention <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was waiting for it. You knew I had to mention it. And you've been to how many fish concerts? I just hit my 100th fish show since 1993. Fish the band. How many? Um, 100. And fish I'm, with a ph. And yeah, just went to 100. I've seen him in 27 states since 1993. Wow! And I'm going to Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia, and Tahoe. This year, or so and traveling, traveling the country, and that, that gets me out, and it, it clears my brain when I come hobby. back. I am, I am ready to go. Like, he can't I'm out say of the a word because he has no voice. He's been screaming for three <laughs> days. He comes back. Oh, I, we know where he's been because he comes back. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, okay. In about two days, I'll be able to talk to you about that. Yeah, it lasts, it lasts for about three days. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoarse every and time. And this is a wonderful outlet, though. I mean, he's so happy. He's always bouncing around the school, and he, you know, when you bring that into a classroom and into your clientele, they want to be with you. They want to hang around with you, and they want to listen to your advice. People say people don't listen to me. Well, you listen to yourself, you know. So hobbies, um, con- you know, finding a, a a group that you like to listen. Music alone, music. Period. Listening to music on the way home, uh, singing. Uh, and getting the their vibes off your body, yes, so that the next day so. you go in, you're fresh, and you mm-hmm. you have a capacity to work with people on so many different levels. So my tip of the week is get a hobby. You know that expression, <laughs> get a life. No, get a hobby. Do something in your life that makes you truly happy. And if you don't know what that is, honey, you better get out there and get busy looking. Yeah, oh yeah, real you know, quick. go to a fish concert, <laughs> see if it'll do the same thing yeah. for you that it does for this young man who I'm very proud of, and I'm very very. Uh, happy every time I see you, I think, oh, there's my boy. Um, We've had, uh, I just feel, you know, when you're, I don't even know what to say now, I'm going to get all choked up, but I'm saying you, I've just watched you grow and it's been really a pleasure to see you uh, grow into such a successful therapist and an excellent teacher. You're very uh, popular with your students and just, you see your, your personality, you can hear it in his voice, those of you listening, that there's a confidence with a humility. This is the qualities that you have to keep working on every day. Whether you're a male therapist or female therapist, doesn't matter. You have to get out there and show people that you're strong yet vulnerable. And every day I try to stay teachable to keep working on my own qualities because I know we always have room for improvement Definitely. there. Well, thank you for your guidance as well. And um, Thanks for thanks coming for on the show. Me. Yeah, it's great. You no, know, you're very busy and we appreciate your time. I Anytime. Had, I had the opportunity of having a class with Nate nine years ago. He's a great, great teacher, great guy. So he's an inspiration into doing things in a different way, I think, and just learning from his passion. So I thank him. And I actually, we invited him. He wanted to talk about other topics that we were not able to cover today, but definitely we will open a door for him in the the weeks to come to to talk about those. But uh, we wanted to address the request from 
some group of students from San Diego who were really hungry for information about Absolutely. sports massage and we knew he, he has the, the experience to come and share with them. So hopefully they take advantage of this and we'll check with your agenda, oh, I would your love to availability come to great. come back and talk about the topics that you really wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, we, we covered, we, we covered it all in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we covered a little. Thank you, San Diego students for your questions. We hope that we've answered them for you. You can always reach us if you have more questions for me. I'd be more than happy to try and address them and answer them for you. And uh, Pat Archer's in uh, Seattle, not too far away. She probably does some classes still. See if you can get in study with her. She's a great lady. All right, that about wraps us up for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The next podcast is going to be on May 12th. We don't have our guests confirmed yet, but I'm sure it's going to be another wonderful person and a wonderful show. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.